0: All right. Hello, everybody. Good night. Good evening. You know, that's where it is. Where we are. Where we're recording this night. Good morning or good afternoon if you're somewhere else. Welcome back to V Brown Bag. Uh, tonight we are going to learn more in our NSXT series with Brenton Johnson, continuing with updates on last line, advanced threat, IDPS, security. Lots of good stuff about advanced threat protection. Uh, but before we get to the main content, we're going to do a few housekeeping notes. Uh, first off, uh, we want those of you who are watching this live to get in on the conversation. Uh, you can use the Q&A right here in Zoom. You can tweet us at vbrownbag. You can use the hashtag vbrownbag uh, and get us your questions, get us your feedback, uh, make this an interactive presentation. If you're not watching this live, make sure to head over to vbrownbag.com slash brownbags and go sign up there. Uh, you can join this uh, broadcast that happens every week at 7.30 p.m. Central on Wednesdays. Or you can check out our other regions, our other language podcasts, in fact, uh, to find the one that suits you. Um, by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, now you know. You can join us live. Please come join us. Be part of the V. Brown Bag community. Uh, I'm your host, Ken Nalbone. Uh, with me tonight is Britton Johnson at VCX, VCIXNV on Twitter. Uh, he's going to be giving us our update, so I am going to stop talking and hand it over to you, Britton. Ready? Thanks
1: Ken. I know my Twitter handle's a mouthful, but you know,
0: not that it. it's just I'm bad at talking.
1: <laughs> you got you got to do what you got to do. Right. All right. Let me get this turned down here. All right. And let me do one other thing quick. Hmm.
0: Bear with me while I fight with my screens in the background here. All good. Oh. I've got, I've
1: got my notes. I've got desktop. I've got that. All right. I think I'm good. All right. Welcome, everybody, to this week's session, the second session in this uh, NSX TV Brownback series for 2021. Um, I'm going to talk over this disclaimer slide because um, if, if there's anything that I'm going to talk about in this series that is potentially, and I quote, you know, highlight the word potentially um, affecting future releases of the product, this would be the one. Um, and so, you know, take, take take with this presentation, what you will, as the note says in the bottom there, this is for informational purposes only. Um, and so this is really just for you know, our customer's edification of the the, the direction of the security vision that, secu- that, NS- that, that VMware has for NSX. Um, and so there's, you know, really nothing that's not already public in this. But at the same time, you know, being that I, you know, am doing this in a public forum, I am required to give the disclaimer. So there we go. So uh, NSXT advanced network security. So this is uh, you know a, 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 not necessarily a new space for VMware, but it is a space that is growing in attention and and something that you know we especially when, where I am in, in healthcare, covering healthcare customers today. Um, you know we're seeing really just lots and lots and lots of uh, you know of our customers are being under attack. And so this is something that, you know, we're we're really focusing a lot of attention on and getting a lot of feedback from customers that, you know, they need security services now more than ever. Um, I did this on the last week one, but if in case you haven't watched any of that, so who am I? I'm Britton Johnson. I'm a staff solutions engineer in the virtual cloud network uh, vertical for VMware covering healthcare customers, like I mentioned. Um, So... You know, I, I'm you know, in the VXpert program still. I'm also on a team called the VMware HCX Majors, where we specialize in uh, things about, you know, the hybrid cloud extension product suite add-on to NSX for, for cloud, you know, workload migrations. Um, and we'll talk about that even more a little bit here as we move through the series. Um, and then I also host another podcast related to that as well. So if you're interested in HCX, you can certainly check some of that stuff out. Um, looking through our agenda, so we already did the first one on 2.5 to 3.x last two weeks ago, um, so that should be out and available for everyone to consume at your leisure. Uh, today, we are looking at the NSXT Advanced Threat Protection or Prevention um, add-in to NSXT that you know is turning on additional security services. Um, we'll talk a little bit about last line who, who that is what that is um, we'll go through the advanced threat suite that last that last line is bringing to NSXt um, some new stuff for for me anyways um, this this idea of miter security framework and what that is uh, go through a little bit of that we're going to talk real deeply today about the ID IPS the intrusion detection prevention systems that are built into NSXt 3.1 today and then we will you know at the very end of this I've got uh, you know ken don't laugh i've got a pre-recorded demo so it's not a live demo so i'm sorry um but you know i, I it's, it's the one way that i can ensure that things are you know are 100 going to work so don't worry. cross your fingers dot your eyes
0: no here we go Not laughing, um, just smirking what was that not laughing just smirking
1: okay um you know n- n- two weeks from now uh right before i go on vacation i'm gonna do do non- a series uh, on nsxt design this is a kind of a, a selfish one because when I went through the the VCAP uh, renewal to get my VCIX X renewed, um, there wasn't a lot of, you know, out there content that I could find on, on the webs about, you know, the NSXT design process without taking the full VMware class, which I did end up doing, but, and it's a great class to take, but I wanted to kind of just do a recap really of what, you know, what the VCAP NV exam, you know, kind of looks like, you know, things that are required for that. Um, and ultimately, we'll talk about the, the pieces and components of, of that you should consider when you're going through an NSXT design. So that's the next week, two weeks from now. The um, last one, again, of course, we'll go through NSXT migration and HCX, all the good stuff that that brings. As I always like to do with these uh, learning resources, so uh, I'm going to refer back to this again, even this week, as I did the first week. Uh, you know, if you haven't watched the 2020 Bag series, uh, "Deep in the Heart of COVID," that Ken and I did. Um, you know, go back and watch that. There's still lots and lots and lots of valid content out there. And I'm still imploring the V brown folks to not delete it from the YouTube channel because it's good stuff. Um, and I've still getting a lot and lot of, uh, you know, customers and partners and people sending me messages, thanking me for putting that, that, that whole series together. And really your feedback is why I'm doing this again this year. Um, so that's, that's all part of that for second piece of this. If you're looking for, um, Information on the advanced threat protection suite and what that is uh, really kind of one of the best places to go for that is Lastline.com. So you know, when again, I'll go into that um, in more details here in a moment. Um, but that's that's one kind of good resource to go start learning some things. Otherwise, we do have now a NSXT intrinsic security course where we dive into you know uh, all of the things that I'm going to talk through in great detail today. So if you're you know pursuing an advanced security framework for your, you know, data center operations, and you want training for your team about this, we do have actual, you know, uh, VMware official training courses. This is available in the, you know, live online instructor led, you know, five day class format, or you can do it in the subscription format where you do it at your own pace, uh, which is like a 30 days license where you can sit and take it at your own pace. You get access to the labs and the whole bit. Um, it's a good, good thing. Um, again, I'm plugging Iwan Hugendorn's books. Uh, Iwan is a VMware PSO resource in the Netherlands. He did not tell me to plug his books. So I'm just doing this out of the goodwill of my own heart because I, I like you know, I, Iwan is a friend and does you know, he did an amazing job putting these books together. If, you, if you're a, a reader and you want to read about how NSXT works, check out Iwan's books. They are well worth looking into. So this is... There's actually a little animation here with sound, so I don't know if you're gonna pick this up or not.
0: But this is,
1: this is something that, that, you know, we see day in, day out. So this is kind of the, you know, email comes in, the users are, you know, questioning, what is it? You know, is it a virus? Is it an invoice? You know, the, the, this this problem crosses international borders, industries, devices, threat vectors. You know, I mean, there's lots of different things, you know, but ultimately the user ends up getting eaten by the virus because that's just what happens. And then, you know, the punchline here at the end is great.
0: <laughs> I like that. It's like but this is what we're high.
1: facing, right? It's, you know, is it is it a virus? Is it an invoice? Is it a thing? I remember back uh, in my, you know, assist administrator days with, at a small insurance company where, So, you know, all, all of a sudden, all of us got the email of, you know, the, with the subject line daily report. And of course it was a virus. And of course somebody opened it because, Oh, there's a, here's a daily report that I've never received before. You know, I probably should look at that. (laughs) So it proceeded to, you know, lock down half of the company's systems and it was, it was a bad day. Um, but, but ultimately this is the thing that the problem the problem that never goes away. Um. And and this and the proof in this is that yeah we've been talking about this in earnest since you know the Adobe breach in 2013 or the Yahoo breach in 2013 or you know all of these things you know yeah the Heartland says in 2008 I mean these these are really old data breaches you know I mean the the, the Department uh, was the, the one of the federal one of those federal breaches the Department of Defense or somebody had had one day where there was multiple government branches that were breached not even on this list. Um, I mean that's it's it, it just never ending um, with with even through to the modern day things of like you know the the meatpacking outfit that was hacked and those the, the the gas pipeline in the east coast here that was that was hacked I mean these things just don't seem to be stopping and there's you know many different reasons and excuses for this there's lots of finger pointing going on politically to say who you know maybe it's this country maybe it's that country but realistically it's just bad actors who are after things. And, you know, as long as there are open systems and things that are vulnerable that have potential ways of being exploited, they're going to be exploited. Um, And, you know, I remember there's a really good joke from the guy on the, who did the CBS late night show about the Yahoo breacher. He's just like, you know, Yahoo is going to let all of their 3 billion users know that they've been breached as soon as they Google how to do that. (laughs) But you know that, that, that this is what we're facing, and this is why you know advanced threat has become a big thing for VMware as a, as, a, as a strategy for us going forward. And this is you know part of when we talk about network security. Um, th- this is sort of the 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 other piece that we're we're peeling back the onion and the layers of you know the the network security personas and the people that you know we as VMware even are talking to because you know VMware people you know who work for the company. You know, we're used to talking to data center administrators and engineers and architects, um, and we're you know, as an NSX and you know uh, engineer, you know, I'm t- used to talking to you know network people, but there's you know, but the network security teams, you know, they kind of tend to be even yet another separate silo that that you know kind of go off on their own tangents sometimes, and they have their own things that they're concerned about, and so now we're trying to get around to. You know, crafting you know the the things that we're talking about in in, in language that they understand, um, and you know th- this is a thing that I'm learning as a as a, a you know a converted vSphere admin to an NSX admin to an NSX you know engineer for VMware. You know the 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 network security space is even a little bit new to me in terms of how we talk about this thing. And so, you know, as, as we learn more about this, you know, we, the, the thing that I'm finding, you know like you know, yeah, yeah. is is there some common language is there, you know, industry speak as it comes to all this stuff. And, and the, the answer is, yes, there is. Um, there's this thing called the MITRE ATT&CK framework. So, you know, ATT&CK, you know, stands for adverse, Adversarial Tactics, Techniques, and Common Knowledge. Um, and this is the overall structure that the network security world uses to communicate amongst themselves to help determine, you know, uh, you know, and, and emulate, you know, yeah, adversarials and validate their controls you know, and enables, you know, standardized framework for evaluating their solutions. You know, it's good for gap analysis and security controls and it's, you know, globally accessible and continually updated. There's lots of different versions of MITRE that are out there and you can, you know, map your security strategy to the various versions of the MITRE attack framework. I've heard it also described as though a, it's kind of like the OSI network model on steroids because there are so many different ways and means that you can look at Miter from a strategic view, um, and we'll just look at a couple of these things. But really, we're just going to focus on the tactic side of it because there's just too much um, to go into this. I mean, if, once you break it out, there's something like 500 various techniques that bad actors can use to attack a network, um, and it's it's quite detailed in the way that in the way that in, in how deep you know, Miter goes. And so it's it's almost impossible to try to get all through. So if you're looking for more specific information, just about MITRE, um, you can go to attack.mitre.org um, to get the specific you know information from them directly. They are their own organization um, that manages how this communicates. So as we kind of look look through this, you know the, this is sort of the the tactics framework of of what you know MITRE. Um, stands for and works with, with, with relation to, you know, uh, where we're going with this and why, why this is important is, is we actually build a lot of this f- particular framework is, is being built into, you know, the, the NSX advanced threat protection strategy overall. And so, you know, yeah, we're, our, our, our big deal is, is, you know, we, we want to break down, we you know what they're trying to do. So yeah, you know, with their initial access, they're trying to get into your network. And then everything leads to another thing. And so, i you know, they're they're going to do malicious code. They're going to, you know, trying to get a foothold. You know, they're going they're going to avoid detection of other tools and other systems that you have in your network, you know. And ultimately, you know, yeah, it's to gain things, or to move through, or to get your data, or to just ultimately take you down and destroy you. So, depending upon who who it is that's knocking on the door and and trying to, you know, yeah, get into your network, is is ultimately going to start to determine this, the path that they can take once they can breach in the inside. Um, you know, what they say? Like once, once you break the crunchy exterior and get to the chewy center, you know, that's what they're really all fall after. Um, and there's, oh, there's just too many ways that we can go about this. Um, let me break out of this for a moment here. So, and this is so part part of what I wanted to look at quickly too is the LastLine last line uh, website and part we have they just just you know when, when VMware acquired Last Line you know last year um, you know and, and so we we've started kind of the integration of them into our, our um, organization um, you know there's a lot of good you know g- g- you know general resources and case studies and solution guides and you know videos and webinars and all kinds of good stuff on the Last Line site so if you again if you want more specific Security centralized you know, um, information, and even specifically um, information regarding, you know, the MITRE framework itself. That's all out here as well. Um, so just, you know, keep 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 the last line resources in your mind because, you know, as, as things move forward and as things roll with with, you know, adding, you know, last line on board. Um, you know, we're gonna, you're going to see and, and hear more kind of this type of things from VMware as we move forward. So, talking about the the last line acquisition, what they are bringing to the table, and it's this is it's the stuff that kind of was missing from NSX as a as a solution. Um, You know, the first piece of this being file analysis. Um, You know, what what file analysis to 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 this is is really just sandboxing. Um, And with sandboxing, you know, we we take a file that's on your network, they execute it, you know, inside a secure location. So they can determine if it's a, you know, the, the sandbox can determine if it's a threat, it can, it can play with it and learn about it. Um, and, and really just kind of make the, 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 va- the virus or the malware, you know, kind of think it's talking to something when it's really not. And we kind of in a virtual space will safely, um, you know, detonate these files and, and help understand more about them in a safe method. Um, so that we're not, you know, doing this in production necessarily. Um, the second piece that there brings, this is the network traffic analysis part, um, you know, and this is really the ability to look for anomalies. So we're looking for anomalies in user space, when, what, what kind of activities users are doing, they're looking for anomalies in data, looking for anomalies in the network. Um, you know, why is something suddenly trying to upload 20 gigs versus something that, you know, didn't do last week? Um, and, you know, what, why is something access you know, specific ports and protocols that maybe they weren't doing yesterday? Um, we're going to look for those kind of network trends and do, do analysis and comparison on that. And all those kinds of things add up to a specific security score that is maintained and, and, and operationalized by, you know, what, what, what the last line sensors bring into the network. And like kind of the third, third leg to this is the IDS IPS piece of it. Um, and this is fed, you know, by file analysis. You know, this analysis creates signatures based on the Suricata uh, data source that gets distributed to all of our customers so they can have access to the latest security threats before they become widespread. Um, So, if you're, you know, again, if you're not very super familiar with the security world of things, um, Suricata is one of a couple um, independent open source. Threat detection engines. So the 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 two that are probably the most popular are and Another one popular one is called Snort. Um, and these are you know uh, sort of community driven organizations, open source organizations that collaborate on intrusion, intrusion detection detection and prevention, and, and feed that data back out to vendors so that they can in, you know include them into their products for doing um, you know network. Uh, analysis and an understanding of where the threats are coming from. So, you know, when you, when you have a product like, you know, last line or like NSX with, you know, IDS IPS enabled um, it's not a, it's not like a a standalone one-off product, like the NSX distributed firewall, where you just turn on the service and suddenly you have a secured thing. This is an ongoing thing that needs constant feeding and care and updating um, and so for like, for the, for this type of stuff to do the file analysis, you know, we get 5 million samples a day of just bits of information about malware that we include in as part of the service. So it's just really a subscription service that you subscribe to that, you know, we're constantly able to do data analysis against and understand these are the latest threats that are coming out. It's not unlike you know, an antivirus service where you're getting constant, you know, fed, you know, you're, you're getting access to a source of information that's, you know, going to help you avoid those threats in the future.
0: So of those 5 million samples you get today, Britain at VMware, uh, are they coming from customers? Like, or is it a ratio of like other sources versus customers? What does that look like?
1: Uh, so the, I mean, the, the, in general, the sources for, for like Suricata, I mean, yeah, they're coming from, um so, so yes, when you, when, when you, any, any, this is across vendor lines. So because, because like Suricata is an open source platform, you know, it's going to accept things from, you know, any other you know, security vendor that, that uses their data source feed, they'll feed back information back to them. So same, same thing for us. And you know, when we use them as our, our data source, you know, when, when, when we get information and we discover a piece of malware that maybe hasn't been seen before, we're going to feed that back into to the data into the into the feed, as it were, so that other organizations can learn about it and then start to see it as well. So the the last kind of couple of pieces of this, I mean, the the, the you know we're we're doing you know user focused networking. So again, this is you know end user security for you know, routers, firewalls, span ports, and taps, very traditional you know, data center network, um, security-focused solutions. Um, you know, we, we have various cloud sensors that will plug into public clouds so that you can, you know, have, have these types of security services turned on in public clouds as well. Um, you know, we're doing this, you know, just in the general data center on-prem as well. And then really we're helping kind of bring together this, you know, cohesive uh, ability to manage the attack chain between all of the locations. And that's that's really the, the long and short of what we're, after with this. So I've gone through this kind of track a bit with, and I, I may even covered this slide in the last episode, but I, it's just kind of talking through this again. Um, you know, there's, it's, it's we, I break it down in this kind of simple three-step process, but which it's, it overly simplifies it, but it is kind of necessary to talk about it. Um, you know, first, whenever we talk about security, we're doing, you know, basic segmentation, and we're going to use, you know, the, you know, the leverage of the layer seven stateful firewall to provide segmentation of traffic and workloads, and then work on, you know, creating that zero trust, um, you know, footprint throughout the data center. Um, you know, you create a simple segmentation rule, like, you know, this web app can talk to this, this database server, but this other segment can't, you know, it gives guardrails in the environment and it helps prevent that lateral movement between things. You know, this, this, the second piece of it here. Is you know layering in the IDS IPS to protect the applications and analyze traffic between the workloads to look for those known vulnerabilities and then you're, we're, we're essentially creating virtual patching for the application here. So so when we have this turned on and I'll go through this and have in the demo later, um, you know we, when we know about vulnerabilities in an application that have not been patched yet, we can see those vulnerabilities on the wire, recognize them for what they are, and then turn them off. Uh, and, and effectively make them patched without actually patching the workload. Um, and it's, it's just kind of a, it's, you know, it's still a best practice to patch those, those workloads, but it, it, because that's a time-consuming process, this is sort of the way around that where you can shut off those vulnerabilities that are known and then later give your teams a chance to go back and patch the actual things that, so that they're not an open threat ongoing, Third and the last piece, you know, the, the the network detection and response portion of it. You know, this is you know when when you're ready to kind of step into this advanced game of things of, of where where things are for security. This is where the rubber really meets the road because now we can, you know, do the real detection and prevention of even more sophisticated threats and anomalies. So this is you know where you know organizations like you know we have financial institutions and banks and um, you know insurance companies and healthcare organizations are all after this kind of stuff because. This is where you know the the large money is. This so, is you know for for the bad guys because if they can get in and avoid you know the NDR systems that keep that are keeping them out, you know the, those are the, those systems that are not protected by NDR are the ones that are the real honeypots that people are going after. Um, and so it's and this is why you know as v- VMware as we evolve as a security organization, we're going to talk more and more and more and more about this kind of stuff, and you'll see a lot of content about this. I I predict around VMworld time this year, there's gonna be a lot of security focused conversations. All right. So I wanna quickly walk through kind of what a, you know, attack simulation looks like. Um, And this is a, a sort of animated view from the last line tool. And what it what it looks like, and I'll break out into the last line portal to kind of show you a little bit of what this looks like live. Um, but but in general, it's the same kind of thing, you know, a user gets an email, it's got a bad attachment on it, and still um, something, you know, like four to five percent of successful malware attempts today are still coming in via email. Um, if you you know do a little looking online, um, the the VMware uh, threat analysis unit. Released a report um, beginning of this year based on information from 2020. Uh, it's like a almost 30 page report that you can get um, that details all of the different ways that that you know organizations are being attacked. So you know again if you're looking for more information go pull the the VMware 2020 Threat Analysis Report. Um, it's it's quite interesting reading. Um, but you know yeah somebody gets an email with a, with a bad piece of malware on it it, it attacks that that end, end And endpoint. Yeah if we have Segmentation with the distributed firewall enabled, you know, we're at least limiting how then, how far then that, that piece of malware can get. So that's sort of the, you know, step one is that having the distributed firewall turned on. Step two of that is the advanced threat pre- prevention where with the IDS IPS, we can detect the movement of this piece of malware in your environment and start to cut it off and block it. And then really, you know, three with the NDR response, we can ultimately really cut it off and, and completely stop it from getting anywhere. Um, now that's the overall view of, of, again, where we're trying to run with this and go um, to this. So what this looks like, this is the last line, you know, I mean, user interface at this point. Um, today, it is a standalone installation. We can do this, you know, as is, uh, as a you know, last line delivery uh, for customers. You know, so if, you, if, you, if a customer buys the advanced threat protection suite they get access to last line today um, so this is something that we can deliver for customers today and it's it's actually not overly difficult to stand up it's just really you know putting in a couple of sensors in your environment allowing them to feed data back out so that we can read information that's happening in your environment and part of the thing to, to note here is that when we talk about the miter attack framework when we break down an attack inside of the last line UI itself we're actually following miter Attack framework right through this whole process and understanding the various things and, that are getting hit, you know, as an attacker is working its way through your organization. And then, then, so that's where it kind of comes, you know, important to understand the the, the terminology in, in the, that, you know, the, the si- the security speaks of the, the, the of people in the security silos of the IT world, you know, they've, they've, you know, they understand this kind of, kind of things, but, you know, I'm, as I've been, you know, um, surveying my own customer base, who was, you know, yeah, network admins, vSphere admins, you know, MITRE, and, and this kind of terminology is all new to them. And so that's part of why the reason I wanted to bring, bring some of this into this particular talk is just to just start to educate the general, ad, you know, vSphere NSX admin population about this framework and about how these things are looked at, because, you know, we've been so busy just doing other things, we haven't really kept up on what, this, what the security state is of the world. So again, as, as an attack comes in, I mean, you know, we're, we're gonna you know, call out all of these p- bits and pieces of, the, of, of this, um, you know, as they, you know, start to show information and give us, um, you know, threat information on, on who's talking to what and where, where the threat is going. So again, it's this, you know, same kind of thing. User received an email that has malicious document attached to it. It suddenly did some suspicious remote task scheduling that, you know, all of a sudden was spread over to this other machine. Now, no, we've got a detected Emotet outbreak, you know, and it's, you know, feeding information up. And now we've got, you know, a, a suspicious, you know, Kerberos login encryption, attention. So I mean, it just goes from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And this is what, you know, is happening on a daily and minute by minute basis in customers organizations today. And, this, and because all it takes is one uh, you know, workload to not be patched properly, to have an, a, an, a vulnerable thing that somebody finds and they exploit it and now all of a sudden they're in your environment and they can do whatever they want. In a lot of cases, these kinds of initial uh, attacks and attempts, you know when they sit in the environment, they can be sitting there for sometimes up to 200 days before they do anything and, and go completely undetected and under the radar for that you know, whole period of time. And then, and, and, you, you know, in most cases, you know, most organizations don't really realize they've been breached, you know, two, three, four or five, six months ago. Um, and then, but because there's so many vulnerabilities and there's, you know, so a certain number, of, you know, bad actor groups out there, they just haven't been hit yet. Um, and that, that's why we're kind of seeing this wave after wave after wave of major outbreaks is because they've been breached. They just haven't, haven't been, you know, exploited about yet. All right, so that's kind of the the quick overview of you know what we're looking at from a security strategy. You know what last line is and what it's bringing to the organization. Um, you know, last line was founded by you know a group of you know really smart Stanford PhDs. These guys are malware scientists, um, and so the 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 amount of just general knowledge and smarts that they're bringing into VMware about malware is, is immense. Um, and, it's, and it's really you know rounding out NSX and its and its security capabilities um, to another level, really. The next piece of this that we're going to talk about um, is the, the IDS IPS functionality that is available today in NSXT3.1. Um, and and this is you know the, the stuff that you know when you when you enable these services. Um, you're, you're you're taking your security strategy you know kind of from just basic firewalling and networking and routing and all those kinds of things and segmenting your networks out from um, you know, kind of level one security up to level two three four five ten um, and, and really give giving yourself you know an, an additional kind of leg to stand on for security so as we kind of look at the, the traditional Typical traditional data center, IDS IPS infrastructure. I mean, this is stuff that we've looked at for a while. I mean, it's, you know, you've got, you know, virtual workloads up on the the hypervisor hosts. They have to do their networking down through the physical stack. You know, the the firewall rules get processed on a physical firewall. They they also have to then punt uh, traffic over to the physical device for physical traffic inspection. And, you know, those have their own, you know, management planes and management agents to take care of these physical devices. You know, they're, uh, you know, it's difficult because every time, you know, a piece of traffic comes through, it's got to be hairpinned, you know, through the physical firewall. It's then also got to be hairpinned, you know, through the IDS IPS and come back up. And it's just, you know, it's it's kind of inefficient in the way that it works. If you have, you know, workloads spread across hosts, you're going to run into, you know, issues where you'll have inconsistent security policies applied because maybe, you know, one thing gets applied here, but it doesn't get applied somewhere else. Um, you know, it it, it it it's inadequate for that kind of ability to scale applications across multiple platforms. Um, you know, there's there's lots of you know attention, and there you know just requires teams of people to manage these things. It's it's just you know not really well thought out, in, in the in the architecture that we have. So this is where you know VMware and NSX, you know, we kind of take our strategy of um, you know laying out the the distributed firewall and the distributed IDS IPS on top of the NSX virtual distributed switch. Um, and so because we're doing this all in kernel space, you know, all on the hypervisor level, you know, we can, we can enable these services, you know, right on the VM virtual machine, NIC, right outside the workload. So we're not having to install an agent, you know, we don't need to mess with that. We can just do it right inside the kernel space, right outside the workload. In the most efficient place possible to do this, um, and that's you know that 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 that's that's the the, the beauty part of, of and per, really the unfair advantage of what NSX has is you know yeah you configure this stuff inside the NSX manager it gets pushed down to the hosts and then turned on turns on that services within the hypervisor itself and it's just there um, and it, and it you know it scales out you know nicely as things move forward um, you know and we get to you know to as well this. Um, You know, ability to have you know, yeah, curated signatures that 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 help uh, you know know, with false false positives and the the overhead of distributing these things throughout the different hosts. Um, You know, we'll we'll look at some of that too in a little bit here. Um, You know, and really just having that you know ability of creating the the security policy state that's mobile that moves with the workload. So you know, it's the same type of idea where you create your distributed firewall policy that exists on one host, if the workload moves to another host, then, you know, then the workload moves with it. And, and this the security moves with the workload. So when it comes over here, you know, it's available there. Um, and it's, it's really just, you know, uh, uh, again, this is, might be an overly simplistic explanation of it, uh, but, but realistically, you know, this is where, where what we're doing is, is trying to again enable these services for, for customers to be able to, you know, provide higher levels and better levels of security for your organization.
0: So, quick question, uh, Brenton. Yeah, I've always loved the uh, distributed firewall uh, since its inception. It's great technology. I think it's cool that uh, IDS IPS is being distributed now too. So we don't have that hairpinning. You know, keep the traffic local to the host as always. Uh, just kind of curious, what kind of overhead that's going to add to the host? Like, what should be accounted for for customers who want to enable that in their cluster? Yep.
1: Yep. Um, it's it's you're you're getting ahead of me. So oh, I'm.
0: <laughs> it's
1: I mean it's it's part of their simple answer quick answer of course on all these things is go to config max uh the config max vmware site um so if you pull up the you know configuration maximums page for vm just google it on vmware on google you'll find it um and you can plug in you know the nsxt uh product that you're on and tell, and it'll basically give you all of the you know maximums and things that you need to consider in terms of throughput levels, number of firewall rules per host, number of firewall rules per VNIC. Um, you know, there's all those kinds of things out there. I have some of that built into the decks here that I'll go through, but but I didn't I, I didn't have, I've just been, been so crazy. I didn't have enough time to validate that the numbers in the deck match what's on ConfigMax. So always go with what's on ConfigMax because what's in this deck might not be accurate. Um, this is you know some some of these slides are you know a few ma- a couple months old and things change rapidly here. So
0: hey, that's a good note. Like you said, you want that original NS6 series to stay up on YouTube. We're going to keep this content up as long as YouTube exists. So folks who may be watching <laughs> this in the future, uh, don't listen to whatever we say on this. Go look at ConfigMax on, on VMware. Right. Exactly. That, that that
1: that's that's ultimately the the source of truth as far as I'm concerned when it comes to those kinds of things. So yeah. cool. All right. So again, if you watched the 2020 NSX v. Brown Bag series, which you know, I'm gonna keep plugging that throughout this whole one so that people watching this will go back and watch that one. Um, you know, this might look slightly familiar because this packet flow is extremely similar to how the distributed firewall works. Um, you know, from, from a configuration path, I mean, so yeah, we're gonna start with you know, the NSX manager. Um, you know, within inside of the NSX manager, we set up profiles, Again, very similar to what we do with NSXT distributed firewalls and just NSXT in general. You know, there's a whole section I did on profiles, uh, and profiles in this context we're talking about sets of signatures, and signatures relate to information that we get from those sources like Suricata, um, and you know those those signatures refer to you know data vulnerabilities within applications, vulnerabilities within products, um, and, and you know various uh, uh, common you know. Uh, Uh, attack scores and things like that um those then are trans are mapped to rules which are basically applied just like a firewall rule um and you know then those then get mapped into the rule table from the you know from the local control plane so you know if you're following this down um so yeah we we come from the nsx manager to the local control plane you know the rules then get applied you know at the rule table or you know based on address set and then you know, from the ID, and that's the distributed firewall path, but that's also very similar for how the things go through the IDS IPS path, except for some of the IDS put parts of this will go straight to the IDPS engine. And again, that, that ID, IDPS engine effectively is Suricata, but we'll, we'll talk about that more in a minute here. All right. So. So when we look at the general flow of this, so as this kind of uh, slide animation works it's, works its way through here, um, I'm going to back back up a couple of times and do this a couple of times just to repeat this piece of it. So when a a, um, a packet comes in from the to, from a VM, you know it's going to then go over to the flow table. The flow table is going to look at this, you know, and say, you know, is this an existing flow? Yes or no. Um, if it's not um it's going to check it on the rule table from the, then the rule table will process it and then check that on the distributed firewall and then, then if it's valid it's going to proceed and pass it on to the IDS IPS engine so this you know d- logically means that the, the distributed IDS IPS sits behind the distributed firewall in terms of order of process as we're processing these packets so you know it's it's important to know that bit of it especially as you're learning you know the inner workings of NSX for exams and things. They'll ask you these kinds of questions. Um, and then after that, you know, if, if the traffic pattern matches and, you know, we, if it's a valid distributed firewall rule, so, you know, it's, it's something that the distributed firewall is not going to block immediately, then it's going to punt that information from the flow table out to the IDS IPS engine. Once we get into the, you know, the, then, then we're into this thing called the slow path where it's going to verify the, tr- the traffic on the IDS IPS uh, slow path for processing and the packet gets inspected. If, if they match it to an IDS rule, if the rule action is set to detect and prevent, you know, then we're going to update the flow table uh, to drop that traffic. And then any subsequent packets that, that match this are going to follow that same path as well. You know, if, if it's something that we're, we're set to detect only, um, you know, the, 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 then at that point, we're going to, you know, just alert based on what we've seen and the, the traffic will go through, but you'll at least be getting some sort of a notification within, v, within NSX to say this is happening. A um, bit of the uh, important information part of this is, you know, because of the way that traffic is flowing, you know, from the distributed firewall up into the IDS IPS engine and back out. um, Even if you are in the um, detect only mode, effectively the IDS IPS engine is in line with the traffic flow. So, you know, if you have uh, IDS IPS turned on and it's, you've got some rules enabled and, and, and some things turned on, even if you're, you know, you're not doing any enforcement with the IDS IPS there is, uh, you know, load constraints and traffic constraints and things that you need to keep be aware of, so that you 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 can understand, you know, the, the like as as we can refer to the overhead that's going to start to happen on the on the host itself um, for for processing these things. So even in detect mode, um, we need to pay attention to throughput and scale as you go through this. So a, a little more detail on ADS IPS architecture. Uh, you know we have two engines. Uh, you know in the user space and your DV filter in the kernel space. The DV filter is really you know, effectively just, you know the main piece of the distributed firewall. Um, and then and then we have then we lay on this shared memory space. Um, and then the, sh- the shared memory region contains the user world library. The you know the the shared memory region can also be um, used by the, the VDPI engine to read packets that are punted up into there into by the kernel module. And this also enables a common library that both engines can consume the packets that are sent up into them. And only after these engines process and release the packets that are sent to them, can they be forwarded onto their destination. Um, and so it's, you know, the, again, it was, it was kind of, you know, sitting, you know, again, really right next to, um, you know, the, the, the heart of the distributed firewall. So that's how all these things are kind of baked together. So you know, and and here you know is kind of the Suricata engine at its at its open source you know finest, where you know the, the window packet you know flows in, um, you know the, the, this piece. Of, from going backwards a little bit, the the Suricata the Suricata engine is deployed on every ESXi host. So again, it's you know part of the kernel framework that NSXT uses for processing traffic on the hosts. Um, if, a, if a host, you know, has one you know kind of important bit of, of detail on this particular slide is you know, uh, the, the, the maximum host memory that, that this thing gets allocated to just the IDPS engine is one gig. Um, so if, you know, basically with the, the Suricata engine is turned on on a host, it's going to take a gig, uh, except for if the host has less than 64 gigs of RAM on the host, then it's going to use less than a gig. But, you know, for most hosts we see deployed in customer deployments today, they're well beyond 64 gigs in the RAM. Um, and so it's generally speaking, not an issue, but if you have a smaller deployment, um, you know, you need to kind of plan accordingly, again, for scale and performance, you know, uh, best practices. But overall, you know, this is kind of what the, the IDPS engine architecture is, is built on. <clears throat> All right, moving quickly here. So. The overall configuration workflows is really, you know, not much different from what we do again on the distributed firewall side of things. Um, it's it's really just, you know, yeah, turning on the service in, in, in terms of enabling the IPS capabilities. Um, it is. Oh, I don't have that page up there. Wrong screen. Been here. So it's really just, you know, coming in and turning the service on, um, you know, there's just, you know, a couple of quick toggles to turn on the IDPS services in general. Um, you know, the, the, the signatures will be automatically updated. You can push these signatures directly to the hosts on an automatic basis. So as they periodically go out and sync themselves from the cloud, you know, then they, they can come down and automatically be pushed down to the host level. Um, it's, but so it's really just, yeah, turning on the service. You know, setting up the global signature management, creating profiles—you know—to group those relevant signatures together, and then setting up, um, uh, yes, you know, set, setting up the rule structure for for how how you know how it's going to process everything, and then over over time, then you need to you know continue to monitor things, monitor events, monitor stuff that's happening, and then really the next part is fine tuning and adjusting to make sure that you're not you know. Making things too tightly, you know, you know, locked down and clamped down, and really giving you that ability to sort of, um, you know, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't want so much processing that you hamper the performance of your hosts, but you want enough that you know you're you're not leaving yourself vulnerable to potential exploits and, and vulnerabilities. So as we move through this, you know, kind of some of the highlight stuff that n 3.1 brings, uh, you know, we we went from having detect only in IDS IPS prior to 3.1 to detection prevent, um, you know, and then giving us then the, the drop and reject options for you know, on the per signature action, um, you know, s- s- signature management. You know, we were able to manage these things globally now, and then um, you know, with the various different uh, attack types and targets. Um, and, and pieces and components that make up, you know, what, what really the IDPS engine is. And we'll go through some more of this stuff here in a second with the demo. Um, and realistically, you know, yeah, it is, it is sort of this ability to, you know, turn on uh, the rules and, and, you know, per rule mode. So certain things, if you only want, you know, uh, detect only in your VDI environment, you can do that. And if you want the applications to be detect and prevent to protect those, you can do that. So there's flexibility here in terms of how you build, um, you know, know, your securities uh, environment, you know, based on zones or groups or however you want to break it out. Uh, Important thing to highlight those for an attack to be blocked, um, both the mode must be detect and prevent and the signature action must be drop or reject. So there's kind of two components of things to be turned on here. Um, We know when you're enabling this and you ultimately want, you know, real action to happen. Um, And again, you know, even in detect only mode, you know, we are still in line. Um, And so we've got to understand, you know, where, um, what, what we're putting on the hosts in these environments. And then this is, again, just going through, you know, the different per signature drop actions. So again, you know, there's drop and reject or just plain alert. Based on the actual signature activity itself from signature settings, so you have things set to detect only, detect and prevent, and then when you get actually into the signatures, there's actions in the signature. So there's kind of two levels of signatures and, or, or selections that you need to turn on. Some of these signatures do by default have um, you know the the drop setting as as default because it's a known massive vulnerability um, and something that we want to prevent immediately. And so, you know, when we turn those particular signatures on for those particular workloads, the default setting from our, you know, signature setup is going to be to drop that traffic. So if there's things that, you know, legacy workloads where you wouldn't want that to happen, you'd have to kind of opt out of that uh, to have that default drop enabled. And we already kind of went through a little bit of the global signature management. Um, again profiles you know again this is very similar to setting up you know the profiles piece inside of NSxt in general. Um, you know it's really just grouping together the, sign- the you know signatures that you want applied into your rules and understanding you know uh, w- what's going to be the critical you know severity structures within your organization um, and, and how the how your application security strategy ultimately gets planned out. A lot of these are based on specific products or even specific, you know product types. Um, you know, so we'll have rules based around yeah you know, WordPress, um, Apache, uh, Drupal, uh, SQL databases. You know, the the, the profiles are kind of pre written and pre configured in the environment for, for a lot of things. And you know, and it just kind of adds to the the simplicity of deploying these things for for environments. And then this is this is not, not really not a lot of new stuff for for security. You, you know, admins they've, they've done this in other tools for a long time. This is you know how you would do it inside of NSX. Um, on the event side, this is a, a common, common question is, okay, you know, we, we have NSX events threat protection, you know, and for the security admins that, that, you know, look at this stuff, their kind of big, big, you know, first question is, okay, that's great, but how do I get this stuff? Um, how do I get notified about these events? So, you, you know, you, you can, you know, view the events within the tool themselves, um, you know, there's event, event filtering based on the signature actions and attack types. Um, you know, we'll give you the intrusion details within the UI itself as well. Um, you can go on and kind of dive deeper into the intrusion history and see, you know, what happened in, in the last, you know, number of days. Um, and then re- real, really kind of, you know, continue diving through this. You know, you can look at, you know, w- the, w- which VM filter VNIC the attack was seen on. Um, that, you know the user logged into the affected VM. You know to, to understand who this thing was, uh, you know ultimately executed by. Um, you know details about the last occurrence for that signature. Um, you know where did the attack originate from? Where did the flow originate from? Um, and again, you could dive deeper into the history. And then you know part of the history is actually seeing what NSX did to react to it. Um, and so in this case, you know we we drop or rejected or prevented. You know the the intrusion attack, um, and, or in, in another case, you know we only just we alerted only because we detected it. But since the policy was set to, you know, alert, we're just going to alert only on it once we see it in the environment, and then you know we're going to count as well, um, you know, the, the number of attempts on this based on five tuple. The other pieces of this eventing information, so, you know, the, the, the security admin's best friend is their SIM um, and, and their, their external logging tool. Um, these come in multiple various forms, um, you know, and bringing them out of our tool into another tool is fully supported. So if you have centralized logging as a security admin and you want to be able to consume this information in your centralized logging tool, fully supported. Um, and this is something that is very in much industry standard when it comes to security applications and feeding that data out um, to external sources. And then you know j- just being able to do simple filtering on on the data that comes out so you can dive into those issues and figure out where they're coming from. And then you know the next piece of this then is you know creating alarms based on these things and it will do alarms within the UI itself of NSX. Or, you know, as, as most probably security organization will do, they'll they'll do you know, alarms a lot of times right out of their SIM. Um, so it just depends on what, what it is and how they're configuring these things. Scale and performance side. So back to Ken's question. Um, you know, so this is some of the um, you know, things to consider. Um, so yeah, we're looking at in this particular performance test environment, you know, 256 nodes, 25 pro t- profiles, a thousand IDS IPS rules. Um, you know, and we can store up to 1.5 million events over 14 days. Um, you know, and again, that event storage piece gets bigger as you export it out to an external SIM, because then the storage requirement is based on what the SIM can hold, not necessarily what NSX can hold. Um, and, you know, so this is, you know, where we start to see, um, you know, performance things in this. And, you know, there's, um. So it, as, as it relates to performance and scale, I mean, yeah, again, like I said, go back to the config max page mm-hmm. to understand where things are at today, if you're watching this in the future. Um, but in general, the, you know, the way that um, there's multiple, multiple things to consider when it comes to scale and performance on this. Um, and that's really down to... Um, you know number of rules in place, number of signatures in place, and, and, and ultimately the number of rules and signatures and distributed firewall rules in addition to IDS IPS or distributed IDS IPS rules um, per VNIC in some cases. Um, so as of, as of today, um, the, the, rule, the, the capped rule per VNIC is about 3,000 rules. So you know, if you've got you know, a distributed firewalling strategy that you know, you're starting to hit that many rules um, you know, we might need to kind of take a look at your overall strategy to figure out maybe we can do things more efficiently, but in general, um, you know, the, that's, that's kind of the highest cap I've seen. And, and the, the, the one place I've seen some, some people, you know, raise concern about, you know, well, how, what's the ceiling really on this. Um, all right. Ken, any questions before I roll through the demo?
0: None from me, uh, so let's go ahead. Hey, and no shame in a recorded demo, by the way. All right. I used to Good. encourage people to do it a lot in a previous job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: it's there's, there's just so much in this, um, and I, I have to give my props to our uh, security product manager. His name is Stein. Um, I'm not gonna try to pronounce his last name on a recording because it's you know very much German. Um, and but, you know he's he's a he's a really good guy, really smart. Um, he put this uh, demo together for, uh, I believe, for VMWorld uh, last year. Uh, so in general, this is you know full, fully accredited credited to Stein and in his amazing uh, capabilities of building these things out. So as we roll through this, in, in this example, we have a multi-tier application, and and we're going to see how an attacker is able to exploit a Drupal web front end of one of these apps and then laterally move within the network. Um, you know, they're gonna exploit the database tier of other apps as well. And, and this is, a, you know, quite a common attack sequence that, that attackers use to gain entry and then move laterally within a network by executing a reverse shell. And, and you, know, it's, it's, you know, this is their kind of standard mode of operation where they access one ex- exploited application, get inside the door, you know, pivot to another machine and then pivot to another machine, and then keep exploiting things as they roll through. So in this, he's running a, a Metasploit script against a vulnerable Drupal server, and this is used as that pivot point to then attack a Couch database, um, and from there pivot again to another database. And this watching you know attacks happen in these kind of scripts is always fascinating to me too. So for, from it, then inside the nsx IDS IPS UI, we can see a real-time overview um, of the attempted reverse shell attacks against the two VMs, app one and app two. And then, you know, so this little spike is, is those two attempts that just happened. So then from here, you know, again, we're gonna turn on the IDS IPS uh, features, which is really just, yeah, simple as flipping, flipping the toggle switch. And then NSX manager is gonna automatically download the latest signatures. And we're, you know, we'll have those deployed down to your hosts in NSX transport nodes. Then we're gonna start and set up some profiles. So the again, profiles group relevant signatures that we want applied. And here we're, gonna, we're enabling one for the application servers and another profile for the database servers. when we edit the profile, we can select the signatures to include based on severity, uh, the common vulnerability scoring system, um, you know, so the pro- specific products that are affected again, like, you know, WordPress or Apache or Drupal. Um, and, you know, when, for this, we're turning turn around the, the specific product threats for like Drupal and CouchDB for this app. So now we need to, you know, apply the profile to the workloads. And, you know, we're going to do that um, with with the groups that we've created. And and the the assignment of those rules are ultimately going to be determined by tags that we've set up in the environment ahead of time. So because we have a tag created on this workload already, it's been automatically attached to this group. And and therefore, because the tag is in existence and it's part of of the group, the workload gets attached to the rule. And then the, in the first example, the, the attack was successful because it was set to detect only. And looking at the events, we can see that a signature fired showing the Drupal exploit that was used. We can see that app 1 and the app tier was the target of the attack. We can bring up additional details you know, about the vulnerability, bring up additional details by expanding the event as well. And then moments after that first one, there was another signature that fired off with the remote code execution. We can see that App One and, and two the App One and two DB tiers were used as a pivot point and then you know ex- exploited into the other two VMs. Um, and we can see the intrusion history graph to see you know that full attack sequence and the action there. If you note know it as you know detect only. All right, for the second part of this demo, we're gonna look at how the distributed firewall plays into the security strategy. So you know, most organizations have a mandate to separate production and, and development workloads. This is nothing new. Um, you know, We can achieve this simply enough uh, by adding tags to the respective workloads and then creating the appropriate isolation policy to these groups with the distributed firewall. Um, so this is kind of basic macro segmentation, just cordoning off um, you know, production from development and, and not enabling them to just speak to each other. Even if they're on the same network with a distributed firewall, we can block them off and and have them have that happen again, really with no changes to your networking and no changes to the overall, you know, strategy of how you're building your networks. And that's one of the NSX's main advantages is you can do this without having to re-IP your applications. So once customers have achieved the, you know, high level segmentation, you know, the next piece is going down into the micro segmentation level to work towards a, you know, zero trust architecture for that application and only allow flows in and out and in between that are required for the application to function. And again, we can do this with a tagging strategy. So with those tags covering these additional services, they again, they get mapped to groups on the distributed firewall. And then that, and then adding that to the default deny, anything outside of that is permitted, you know, that permitted traffic is denied. And in this example, the attacker would not be allowed to establish the reverse shell needed to continue the exploit because we have that default deny applied with the micro segmentation strategy. So that's before we even get in the door of turning on the IDS IPS. That's just basic security from, from the NSX distributed firewall. So taking a look at the environmental and distributed firewall policy, you know, here we're just looking at, yeah, cutting off access from prod to dev and turning that piece on. We'll publish that rule. And then going into the application section, we can see the rules that the microseg, the microseg's off the two applications. You know, looking at the group itself, we can see how the, the virtual machines are automatically added, you know, due to those tags that are assigned to the workloads. And again, we've got these predefined services you know, for, for those specific workloads to say, you know, what, what they need to protect as part of that overall strategy. So we're gonna enable all these rules, publish them out, and then that turns on our micro-segmentation strategy. So then we'll try this, you know, after we, after we apply the rules, we can see that the attack started again, no reverse shell is allowed, the attack cannot continue. Um, and when we look at the IDS IPS, we can see the signature fired, and no further exploits were detected so you know again the ids ips is in line and attacking um but with with the distributed firewall by itself you know we're blocking that attack but, and then we're alerting on it with the with the detection features of the ids ips the last piece of this is um changing the ids ips mode to detect and prevent and this is without the distributed firewall in play um, and with, without the distributed firewall segmentation policy na- enabled with just the the, you know, IDS IPS in detect and prevent mode, NSX will detect the offending flow and stop it dead in its tracks. And so this is kind of that virtual patching piece of it where, um, and, you know, as you know, at the end there, the action is dropped, drop and prevent, you know, or reject. And so it prevented the attack before it was able to do anything just based on, you know, what we know about these vulnerabilities that are out there. Um, and so that's, you know, kind of the 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 where the rubber meets the road and the type of security uh, and strategy that, that we're you know embarking on here and building out for customers so that you know ultimately we can have more and more secure environment. Um, that is what I had today. And I thank you for your attention and your time. And I'm looking forward to continuing this series over the next couple of weeks. Ken, back
0: to you. Awesome stuff. Thanks very much, Britain. Tons of content. I'm sure folks who are watching this on YouTube, you can rewind at any time. I'm probably going to go back and have to watch, rewatch this stuff. If people found this after the fact on YouTube um, one more time, Britton, let's remind them, where can they find you? Where can they reach out if they have questions?
1: I muted myself. Um, if they want to reach out to me for questions, is that...
0: Yeah, yeah. Because right. You're a friendly guy, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: You can, you can hit me on the Twitters. I'm at v- at V C I X N V. Um, you know, that's probably the easiest way to find me. Um, and so, yeah, for, for anything NSX related, I'm generally, you know, reachable on there. Um, otherwise, um, you know, as, as I always like to say, you know, contact your friendly neighborhood, uh, VCNSE like myself or whoever is in your territory, talk to your VMware rep, Um, you know, we're, we're generally always be able to answer questions, um, you know, or talk to your local VMUG leader, like Mr. Ken, and and he'll hook up with somebody as well.
0: There you go. If you're in the Indianapolis area, you can ask me as well. Um, thanks very much, Britton. We'll talk to you on the next episode in the series, uh, and see you then. Thanks Ken.